Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. Today's episode is all about data privacy, and it is an important one. Jody Daniels of Red Clover Advisors and I will discuss the difference between data privacy and data security in this episode, as well as all the things that are part of your data. And you may be as surprised as I am at all the things we collect, some of it inadvertently. And we have some responsibility around that that could be very important for you to understand what to do. If you sell internationally, the standards you need to consider are changing all the time. And different jurisdictions have different rules. And this would be nowhere more obvious than in the U.S., where every state seems to be putting something together that's different. So please continue to listen. This is a good one. Lots of interesting pieces. And Jody is so clear about the steps to take. This is The Real Bottom Line, where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line. Today, my guest is the fabulous Jody Daniels from Red Clover Advisors, and she is a data privacy expert and consultant. But first, I'd love to talk a bit about how did you get in the business? Sure. Thank you so much for having me. So many moons ago, I was in a large corporation and I had created what's called a targeted ad network. So nowadays, you might go to your favorite social media and notice that what you were shopping for shows you an ad when you're in your favorite social media. Well, before that happened, websites kind of had created and sort of banded together to be able to create uh, a network advertisers could advertise across that. So I built that for a really large company. And basically I stocked you for cars on the internet and the online advertising industry said, "Hmm, maybe we should try and prevent some and get ahead of government legislation. Let's come up with some self-regulation practices. I was the person responsible for that at the company. And then I realized this is kind of interesting and created a full-time role for privacy. So I built the privacy program at that company. The world changed, targeted ads were all over social media and continued to morph and really blend my love for marketing and privacy and data strategy all together. And then left almost five years ago to open up my company to focus solely on privacy. And at the same time, that's when the world really started modernizing all of the different data privacy laws which brings us together today. That is awesome. Um, Five years on your own. How has that been? What is your biggest lesson that you've learned in the last five years about building a business? It's been so much fun, so much hard work. And, you know, I think I'm still learning all kinds of interesting lessons, but the biggest one is just, there's all these fun memes that are about the roller coaster and the ups and the downs. And it is truly accurate because some days are amazing. And then there's other days where it's really, why, why did I do this again? It's so hard. 
but the I think for any successful business owner, it needs to be persistent. And you need to have the your why has to be driving what it is that you're doing every day. And being flexible and being able to iterate and change and adjust is to me both the really cool thing about being a small business because mm-hmm. it doesn't take 400 people to make that decision and five months and you know 14 meetings. You're like, oh, that, that's a new tool. Yeah, we should, we should just use that tool. Okay, go, like go get the tool. So, right, you're able to be really quick. And at the same time, you have to be able to do that to be able to kind of keep moving because where you start your business, hopefully you're growing and, and changing. And so what you need to continue to grow and morph isn't necessarily what you did at the beginning. And you have to keep evolving. Mm. Ceiling of complexity in strategic coach terms. What, uh, what's holding you back or you need to, to conquer changes along the path? Have you noticed that? There's a lot of change for sure. And I think one of the places that I'm still learning is, you know, also as a small business owner, like every dollar is kind of a dollar out of your pocket, like literally. (laughs) And so you want to be, you know, very prudent with where your dollars are going. So sometimes I find that I'm not making decisions because I'm trying to find the right expert or the right person who can help. And, you know, then it's like an and I'm a little bit of an analytical person. So it's sort of that analysis paralysis. And, you know, it's not trying to be frugal. It's just trying to be smart and make sure you really have someone who can actually deliver what they say they're going to. And so then sometimes I don't always do the things that I'd like to do. <laughs> well, I like that you're based, the decisions aren't based in necessarily being frugal. It's more about making sure you have the right resources at the right time at the right price. Because the right price isn't always the cheapest. Oh, no, it's definitely not. And I'm, I think, you know, sometimes earlier on, I probably did pick a lesser expensive option and it's always not the right option. It's always, you, you'll have to, and you end up redoing what you did before and it made sense then. And so my dad always used to say, anything can be fixed with money. And that's absolutely true. You just have to always, you know, sometimes if you invest a little bit more at the beginning, you're actually, even though it feels weird and hard, you're going to be better off in the end. I think about um, a lawyer bill I got way back in the day because I hired an associate and I got the bill and it said I I had three itemized lines of where he talked to partners. And I'm like, well, I'll never do that again because I just paid for that guy's education. (laughs) I would have been much better if I'd gone and paid the extra dollars an hour. It would probably have been cheaper because they've seen it 10 times. They know what to do and they can just do it. Right, right. I'm sure you've seen, I, I love when people talk about it, and this is true, right? As someone buying services, you have to evaluate that you're buying someone's expertise. So it's not just a by hour type thing, but it's that, oh, I've done that 10 times. So if it takes me four seconds to figure that out, you, but I've done that for 10 years now compared to someone else where, you know, it took one hour, but they had to study it to get to that one hour. So it's that whole philosophy of understanding value and what your end goal is, and also looking towards the future. Yeah, and the other thing that I, I agree with all of those pieces, and I think the other factor is the sophistication of or complexity of the problem you're solving may change that price as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So I am completely and utterly fascinated by data privacy. And uh, in the green room, I said security by mistake. So I'm sure our listeners may do the same thing. So could you define for us the difference, define and compare data privacy and data security? 
Absolutely. In a very simplistic way, if we think about data in a bucket, security is protecting that data from people who shouldn't have access to it. It could be someone in the organization, only certain people need access to that data. And then it could be bad actors. We don't want that data leaving our organization or going anywhere else. So I need to secure the information. Privacy, on the other hand, is how I'm collecting, using, and sharing that data. So if I have your name and email, I might secure it so that bad actors don't have access to that name and email, but now I might want to use it and I'm going to send you emails. I might try and target you on a social media app. I might figure out who you are and tie it to the activity that you've done on the site. That is using the information. That's a privacy perspective. So while they go together, kind of imagine even concentric circles with a normal size overlap, Mm -hmm. the security part is a part of privacy because once data is no longer properly secure and it's it's been unauthorized access to it, now it's no longer private. So there's that intersection with it. And many, we have laws that say you have to protect the data. And if you don't, here's what happens. You have to tell me. But the idea of privacy is, well, that's my, is it my data or is it the company's data? And how do you, the company, get to use the data that I give you? Do you use it in a way that I think and I'd expect for you to use it? Did you tell me? Did you give me some choices? All of that is privacy. And the modern privacy laws are trying to manage all of that because we are producing data at a very, very rapid pace. And every company is in the data business, even if you only have name and email. If that's all you have, yay for you, you don't have as much to worry about. It's just name and email, but it all still counts. So I have, I kind of feel like when I'm on Facebook in particular, I don't feel it the same on LinkedIn. So maybe you can disabuse me of this or not, that they know everything I'm doing and that they're, they're following me around, um, you know, that all of a sudden the ads of something I just thought of came up. Uh, you know, w- what am I doing when I'm on a social media platform? How much privacy do I really have? Well, it's two sides. It's when you're on the platform and every interaction you have is feeding the algorithm. And that's true on any social media platform. All the algorithms are collecting and harnessing the data based on every click that you're doing. View, like, comment, every engagement interaction is being collated and the algorithm is doing it. But some social media platforms are using and collecting and receiving data from people off and outside of the platform. And that too is feeding the algorithm. So in particular, Facebook has a Facebook pixel that not every site in the universe, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say almost every site has some Facebook pixel. And that pixel is a piece of code that a regular website has. So let's just say it's your favorite pizza restaurant and the pizza restaurant has a Facebook pixel. Well, when you go to the pizza restaurant, order your pizza, Facebook, that data has been sent to Facebook. And sometimes it could be the kind of pizza that you've ordered. It kind of depends on the way the site is architected and the way the pixel's been set up. But a significant amount of data is going over to Facebook. And that is true with other social media platforms, but notoriously, it's been Facebook. 
And then they will grab data from other third party data brokers that are out in the universe and they're able to share that information. So all of that goes into the algorithm to harness who is Wendy and what are what profile does the social media platform believe Wendy is in. Now, in terms of what you have as choices, there in recent years are many more choices than you had previously. So you can ask them to stop using data. You can ask them to stop uh, serving ads. When you go to other websites, you can block the cookies. You can say no to the cookies. You can opt out of the cookies. So you can, you can do some things. It's very challenging to be 100%, but there are some steps that you can do to try and, and manage slash minimize what it has. But it's a little bit of a uh, kind of opt out approach only in some situations and some some countries is it more of a uh, only I'll let you in if I trust you that's more of an opt in approach. Yep. Now for anyone who has an iPhone, many people noticed in, in the last year plus, where if you had an app that you downloaded to your phone or it was an app that got updated, a pop up appeared that says, would you like to have tracking on the app? Yes or no? Well, most people pick no. And so all of that data used to feed all of these other social media platforms as well, because there were trackers in the apps. Well, now if you say no trackers, then those social media platforms and others don't receive the information anymore. So you're starting to also see some technology come in play to say, yes, you can collect, no, you can't collect. Did, um, did these data, these apps, did they get compensated for my data? Most of them didn't. Uh, there could be some for sure that that did, but most of them received the benefit of no of the ads themselves. So it was sort of a quid pro quo. You're going to put this Facebook pixel on your site or other social media pixels on your on your app or site. You're going to get a really great ad because the more data we have, we feed the algorithm. And that's kind of how the whole thing has has snowballed. There are many other companies that were created that would compensate apps and websites. Mm -hmm. You put this pixel here, I'll pay you. And then the company gets, you know, the money and the, the website, uh, well, the website would, or app would get the money and the original data collector gets the data. So certainly some of those, you're starting to see a lot less of them. Your business is making a profit. You're growing but you may still feel like you don't fully have a grasp on how to make the best use of this success. Don't worry, you're not alone. Hi, I'm Wendy Brookhouse, creator of the Total Wealth Accelerator and host of this podcast. I've developed a quick and easy tool that will give you a detailed snapshot of where you're currently at in your business and wealth growth and how you can improve upon it. It's called your financial diagnostic score. It's completely free and you'll instantly get the results. So head over to TotalWealthScore.com right now and see where you can focus to grow your wealth. What is driving the, the concern for privacy? Because obviously this has been around for a long time. I mean, I know I've, I've actually bought things because it showed up in my ad stream enough that I'm like, okay, fine. Yes, I do really want those shoes. <laughs> What's driving uh, this privacy concern these days? I think it's a couple things. So the idea of this global economy and the way the internet has evolved and morphed for a very long time, the EU has really been the leader in privacy. They've had data privacy protection laws, but they were done by country, which was very challenging for an organization mm -hmm. to figure out which country was which. So they tried to basically create kind of one common theme 
which for anyone listening is GDPR, General Data Protection Regulation. It finalized in 2016 with an effective date of 2018. So most people are like, oh, that's only been around for a couple of years, but actually it was passed years before. And if you kind of go backwards, it took years to get it to where it is. The reality is it is a floor for the EU, but other countries can still have their own interpretation. Mm. So it's still going through some challenges. But that was basically the first modern wave of new privacy laws. And other countries around the world are starting to emulate that. And then you have, you know, all all kinds of companies sort of pushing the envelope and doing things that individuals didn't really love. And they started to question, for example, anyone who might remember the Cambridge Analytica scandal, that really opened up the eyes to people around the world and especially those in the United States. And very long story and fast forward, it's an interesting way of how the California privacy law was passed, but the California privacy law was passed in June of 2018, and that was on the heels of the end of that uh, scandals uh, kind of review with an effective date of January 2020. Once California started, which is true for many other laws in California, not just privacy, but many others, you had other states start to follow. And now that's what's happened. And at the time that we're having this conversation, in about 18 months, we will have five United States states will have a privacy law. And like I said, other countries were also doing this. At the same time, Apple thought, well, I'm really going to look at this from a device perspective and a marketing perspective. And it's really commenting on privacy and it's using that in its entire marketing activities. You have other browsers that have come on the scene to be privacy forward. Mm -hmm. So all of that kind of together has made this melting pot of, oh, wait, hold on. There's a lot of data that's going on here. There's been some exposures to how it's been used. Some laws are catching up and it's kind of creating that groundswell to say, it's time to pay attention to what's happening here. As a business owner, why should I care about privacy? Well, a couple of reasons. First, your customers care. There's all kinds of stats. Uh, Some say one in two people won't buy a product or service over a privacy and security concern. Mm -hmm. There's eight in 10 adults feel like companies aren't doing enough with their privacy. They wish that they were doing more with their privacy. It's a nonpartisan issue. Everyone sort of feels like, no, that's my data. So all kinds of stats that sort of show people actually care about this. Mm. So if you want to do what your customers care about, you you would choose to do privacy. If you're a business owner and want to adhere to laws, that's a good reason to as well. Now, what's interesting is, especially in the United States, those, you know, anyone, and and actually, let me answer and pause real quickly. So for any of these laws, it's not where the company's based, it's where the customer's based. So you could be listening in Canada, but you serve a U.S. audience, you have to pay attention to the U.S. laws. You could be in the US and you have a customer in the EU, you have to pay attention to the EU law. So in the United States, we take a very small business friendly approach for lots of laws. And many of them, actually, you could be too small as a business and the law might be, you know, you have to meet big thresholds to have to meet it. So you might say, well, I don't have to pay attention. I would caution you for a couple of reasons. One, your customer doesn't know the difference. They don't read laws. (laughs) They don't understand, oh, you're small, that doesn't matter. Um, And number two, I said your customers care about privacy. And number three, especially if you are a B2B business, often small businesses want to land big companies. Big companies treat little companies the same. 
and they say, oh, you want to work with me? Wonderful. You need to adhere to X, Y, and Z, which are often dealing with these privacy laws. Right. And from a competitive standpoint, if you're the little person and the big people are paying attention to the privacy law, well, what do you need to do? You need to look like the big people and also be able to say, I'm complying with this privacy law. I care about my customers too. Um, with all these different states passing laws, is that going to add to complexity? Like, or is there one that's like so stringent that, and if you just followed that one, you'll be good everywhere? Yeah, it's the million dollar question, literally, because everyone asks the question. And it's a fair question. It is complex, and they're not perfectly lined up. California is probably the strictest in a lot of the categories, but not all of them. And so in some areas, Virginia has some extra requirements that California doesn't. And the same is true for Colorado. For example, Colorado includes nonprofits. The rest of the states don't. California includes employees. The rest of the states don't. Virginia has, and Virginia, Colorado, and Connecticut have an opt-in approach for how you use sensitive data. And sensitive data has some common themes across all the states and GDPR, but not all of them. So a company kind of needs to look at all of the states and sort of line up. And if it wants to take a holistic approach, sort of draw like almost a squiggly line to sort of find its, its commonalities and its most conservative pieces to be able to move forward. And that is what I see my clients do is they're taking a holistic approach. Jody is in Atlanta, Georgia. I have no rights, no privacy law, nothing. But most companies are going to say, Jody, we care about you. We're going to treat you the same and offer me the individual rights. They're going to, and the way that they're going to be able to manage their privacy program is just treating everybody as the same. Amazing. You just uh, described in a nutshell why someone should hire you, <laughs> just figuring out what to do. Um, so I have bought, I agree, I need privacy. Um, what are the first two to three things as a business owner I can do to establish a data privacy regime that is good? So the very first step is you have to know the data that you have. Okay. You can't do anything without knowing the data that you have. I always say know your data. Mm -hmm. Let's start with a website. On a website, what kind of data do you collect? Do you have a Google Analytics pixel or some other type of analytics pixel? Do you have Facebook, LinkedIn, Google Ads, Pinterest, Twitter? Like pick your pick your favorite, yep. uh, Snapchat, TikTok, which one? <laughs> right, so which, which pixels do you have? All of those collect data. Do you have an email form on your website? But with the email form, is it just email? Is it name and email? Name, email, company, email, phone? Right? All of those are different data points. So you want to understand what you're actually collecting on your website. If you take orders, what kind of information do you have on the order? And then you want to, so those are just examples, right? You want to go through the whole experience that you have and think about all the data. In doing so, you also want to think about who are all the software providers, all the cool tools that I'm using, or other companies that I work with. Do I work with an agency? Do they have access to it? Do I work with a bunch of SaaS tools? Because every company that has access to the data is kind of a part to your party here. And you need them to also be complying. So for example, if your best friend has this cool new startup and you want to support them, 
compared to the established company who emphasizes all their privacy programs and how it's going to help you comply with your obligations, you need to make sure that you pick the one that's going to help you comply. And if your best friend isn't going to be it, sorry, that's not going to work. Yeah. So know your data. Then from the, we kind of want to work from the outside in. You want to update your privacy notice. And to do that, you have to know where your customers are and which of these laws you have to pay attention to. Mm. So there's all different requirements kind of based on the privacy notice obligations. And those are based on where your customers are. And then you might have the, well, the I'm too small situation. And so do I, do I assume bigger or no, I don't. You kind of have to make those decisions. But you, you want to make sure you have an accurate privacy notice. And the most simple thing about your privacy notice is say what you do and do what you say. There's a long list of obligations that, you know, very like the fine, fine tooth comb of all the things you have to have in the notice. But at the very core, the whole point of a notice is you're going to say what is actually happening. Yeah. Then it's not just a document that you can forget about. You actually have to do what it is that you just said. And we talked about change in the beginning of this conversation. Businesses change. Mm-hmm. Maybe today you don't collect precise geolocation because that's an advanced tactic. But maybe going forward, you want to know exactly where Jody is. You want to know my exact geolocation. You didn't have that in your privacy notice. Well, now you would need to figure out how do you update that? How do you communicate that? So you want to make sure that your privacy notice is accurate and is something that you're going to do on an ongoing basis as your business evolves. Connected to the privacy notice are going to be two other things. I know you said three, but it's like three and a plus. That's okay. Bonus bonus material is accepted. There you go. In the privacy notice, I mentioned this idea of individual rights. Mm -hmm. So today, all these laws, the idea is that I have control over my data that I've given you. Mm -hmm. Depending on the law, there's different rights. But that privacy notice is where you communicate them. For example, can Jody access the data that you have on me? Can Jody ask you to delete the data that you have on me? And how do I do that? So if in your privacy notice, you say, well, email me at privacy at awesomecompany.com, when Jody actually emails you that, you have to then be able to, to actually do what it is you just said you're going to be able to do. Yeah. So that is a perfect example of not copying someone else's privacy notice because you don't want to have in there something you can't actually do. And then connected is everyone's all about cookies. I need a cookie banner. You might need a cookie banner. It depends on what you're doing and where your customers are. So part of that data inventory exercise is understanding, do you have cookies and what kind of cookies and what do you do with them and where are your customers? Because the cookie banner obligations are different and you want to find a software tool that will help you manage that and get it set up on the site. Wow. That's, that's so much, so much stuff to do. Um, It feels like in this era of of this privacy, that it's just good business to do this. When you are looking at this, um, how much time does it take to do something like this if you're, you know, a medium-sized company on a couple of social platforms, you know? The biggest piece is is the foundational work. So there's a little bit of of a lift to understand all of the data. That's really where the hardest part is, is truly identifying all of the data. Now, you're going to want to do that from a privacy perspective. You're going to want to do that from a security perspective, right? We talked about the security piece. You also might realize, I've gone through this exercise. Well, hold on. We we have five CRMs. Why why do we have five CRMs? Or 
I have three different tools that are duplicating all of this because as businesses change, they end up leaving everything in one system and, and, you, and maybe even still paying for it. So the exercise actually might find you some cost savings and might even find you some operational savings. So in terms of the lift, you know, it's hard to quantify in terms of hours or dollars because every organization is just completely unique. But there's a little bit of a lift. This isn't, you know, a full-time job for weeks on end. It's really a part-time activity for anywhere from a month to a couple months. Just kind of depends on the size of your company, how many people and how complex. Some are super simple and, and some are a little bit you know, more involved. But once you get the foundation, the idea is that you then can maintain it. And it's always easier to maintain something than it is to start over. You know, Think about your air conditioner. Do you uh, never service it and then it just breaks and now you have to start all over? Oh, that's a big lift. Or do you maintain it every year? Like you get the big install and then you have it maintained every year. It's the same with your car. Right. If it breaks, that's like this whole big hassle and a half. You have to tear it all apart. But if you just maintain it all the time, you're going to be in a much better, better spot. So it's the same. I mean, I could keep going with all kinds of analogies, but it's sort of the same idea. A bit of a lift at the beginning. Get it in a great place and build this in to just what you're doing. Oh, we're going to do this great new marketing campaign. Hold on. I got to make sure I look at the privacy notice. Are we good there? And then once a year, just like you review your insurance obligations or your payroll or your employees, you review the privacy notice. I, I love that. What haven't I asked you about privacy, data privacy, that I should have? Oh, now that's a good question. I would say maybe where it's going. So yeah. I think a lot of times people think, uh, and you kind of, uh, we hinted at it in this last discussion, which is, well, how long will it take me and what do I do? And really where the future is, is privacy. And it is good business to do this. In the United States, we will have five states. We have more than 25 that introduced privacy legislation this year. So obviously they didn't all pass, but that's a hint of what's to come. Yeah. There is a federal privacy law that's being considered. Not sure what will happen with that. There is a new federal privacy law introduced in Canada that has high expectations of moving forward. And globally, there are hundreds of privacy laws, and many of them are getting updated. So as someone listening, I don't want you to get worried over, oh my gosh, there's hundreds of privacy laws, because the reality is most of what everyone listening has to do are some core fundamentals. And so where the future is, is, is privacy is a requirement to do business, not even just good business. It's a requirement. And right now there's a competitive edge. There's an opportunity to stand out amongst your competitors. At some point, it's going to be table stakes. Yes. We're not quite there, but if you like the idea of competitive edge, I highly recommend it now. And then if you want to get ready for table stakes, I highly recommend you doing it now and just kind of figuring out, like we were talking about cost to do business on certain areas. So we always ask, well, what's the people? What's the technology? How much does it cost? Soon privacy is going to be just one of those things that we always think about. Well, um, how do people get a hold of you, Jody, if they want to continue this conversation, get you to help them with their privacy, data privacy? How do they get a hold of you? Real easy is visit redcloveradvisors.com. And at the top, I have a quiz that might be kind of fun, super short, really easy, simple to do. And at the end, you'll kind of get uh, like a little uh, kind of step-by-step -step of where you are in your process and some suggestions 
of how to move forward. So just redcloveradvisors.com. That's a, that is a great start. So thank you so much for your time, Jody. And the real bottom line here is privacy is here to stay. So much learning in this episode. Do you want more? I have a special offer for the right entrepreneur, a complimentary one-on-one -on -one coaching session that is all about you, your business, your goals, so you can accelerate the growth of your business and your wealth. Head over to wealthcoachingwithwendy.com and there you'll find a letter that details all the components of that call, how it would work and how to apply. Yeah, that's right. We're having an application because what we want to do is make sure that the people that we do have the one-on-one -on -one coaching with are people that we can actually help get ahead. And that way we're not wasting anybody's time. So head over to wealthcoachingwithwendy.com and apply today. Thanks.